Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And today we're going to, I'm going to invite you uh, to listen to a message on uh, trusting in the wonder of resurrection from John chapter 11. So in this season of your life, let me ask you, what is the greatest obstacle you're facing? For Jesus says to you and, uh, and says to me, did, you, did I not tell you that if you trust, uh, it's often translated if you believe, but if you are trusting, will you not see the glory of God? In other words, he says, trust me and you'll see the wonder of resurrection. You'll see the power of God. And uh, the whole theme of the Gospel of John is just is trusting Jesus over and over again. It's about trusting, or often translated believing. It's a present tense, trusting. And uh, the context here in John 11 is, is Lazarus has died, has been dead for four, four days. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting because four days was considered you're, you're dead, dead. You're like super dead. I mean, you, you smell at that point. There is no hope, the rabbi said, of any resurrection at that point. And uh, Jesus shows up and, and he invites Mary and Martha to, to trust him. Uh, and, uh, and, he, and he speaks to us and, uh, because Lazarus is a picture of what happens to all of us, you know, and, and uh, he's dead. And, and Jesus speaks and calls him out. And every time a person comes to faith in Jesus, there's a, there's a born again, there's a spiritual life. You're, you're, you know, he speaks your name, come out. And how, how do you come to Christ? It's all a resurrection. It's incredible. Uh, and Lazarus is in the grave, utterly hopeless and dead. He couldn't raise himself. Jesus does that. But then Lazarus has to let some people take off his grave clothes, right? And, and you're alive. You're resurrected. You know the voice of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. But the reality is how, many, how is it that so many Christians are walking around like mummies, uh, with tight wrapping, you know, arrogant, bitter, angry, critical, no vision for their lives, unloving, proud, you know, stuck, untrusting. And so we've got a situation where in the church we've got enormous numbers of people who are uh, have grave have grave clothes on, and uh, yet uh, have been touched by God internally. And so uh, our our this message I want to invite you to listen to. I pray it encourages you. And our role at EH Discipleship is giving you the tools to cut through the bandages. Uh, that's why we've developed uh, everything we're doing, the materials, the discipleship course, uh, part one and two. Uh, it's all there, so you have access to help you free your people. So uh, check it out on our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. And let me invite you now to listen in on this message, Trusting in the Wonder of the Resurrection from John chapter 11, and this amazing bottomless story of Jesus uh, with Mary and Martha and inviting them to trust, uh, to see the wonder of the, erection, of the resurrection. And as Jesus says in verse 40 of that great passage, did I not tell you that if you trust or believe, you will see the glory of God. God bless everybody. Enjoy this message. You. All right, if you have a Bible, go with me to John chapter 11. If you need a Bible, raise your hands. We're in John 11. And I, I was just, I just realized that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount without PowerPoint. And it worked. Amazing. Amazing how they could preach in the old days. So, uh, again, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I'm uh, one of the preaching pastors here. I'm a teaching pastor, pastor at large. Uh, and my role, part of my role, is bringing New Life Fellowship riches to the world through what we call emotionally healthy spirituality. So uh, once a year, we have our annual conference. People are flying in this week, beginning, it starts in a week and a half, from all over the world, from Australia to, you know, Malaysia to Africa to Europe. And uh, 
it's going to be live streamed. It's full. It was filled two months ago. So you're all, you're able to watch it. If you go to emotionallyhealthy.org, you can sign up uh, for free and you can watch portions of the conference if you'd like. It's for pastors and leaders, but love to have you and you can go and and check that out. All right. Uh, John chapter 11, uh, and I'll read it in just a few minutes uh, from the scriptures here. And there is a PowerPoint in the back, but if you look at the PowerPoint, that'll be a bit tough, you know, I'm preaching up here. But let me begin with a story. Our title is called Trusting in the Wonder of the Resurrection. Trusting in the Wonder of the Resurrection. And I'm actually, you know, picking up from last week's message as we launched out into Easter. And uh, I want to talk about really Easter and the meaning of the resurrection becoming a part of our lives, the core of who we are. But let me begin with a story uh, of a book uh, I read recently written by, out of the memoirs of the ambassador to Germany, who was sent in 1933 by Roosevelt, the President of the United States, when Hitler came to power to go there. And this guy was a professor of history at University of Chicago, you know, got appointed to this post, went to Germany, to Berlin. And when he got there, you know, the country was in the middle of tremendous change because Hitler had just taken over, become the chancellor. And so he began to observe a number of things. Uh, now, understand, everyone's very excited because at that time, Hitler's emerging. Their economy's getting together. The country's doing fantastic. Um, and so, but he's observing things happening there that are of great concern. He's seeing, for example, Jewish businesses being boycotted. Uh, he's seeing all Jews fired from uh, government office and businesses closed. Uh, he sees the creation of the first concentration camps uh, in 1933. But it was basically for any Germans that opposed Hitler. <laughs> And they're being sent there, no trial, people disappearing. Uh, uh, He's observing a military buildup that's enormous in the uh, woods, in the countryside. And then with the institution of the Heil Hitler sign and parades, but stormtroopers and SS troops going on in the streets, Americans start getting beat up who are on, they're just tourists going to Berlin on holiday. And they don't know what's going on there at the store and there's a parade going by and all these guys in blue and, or I'm sorry, in these brown storm troopers, they're called, and they didn't hire Hitler, you know, and, and they get a terrific beating. Uh, these Americans that just happened to be there, and, and they'd, of course, they'd go to the embassy to complain, and, and the embassy would, you know, tell our government here and go, go to the you know, German government, say, you got to do something here, and, <clears throat> and the Germans would apologize, oh, it was a mistake, you know, we'll deal with that, and, and so he's sending letters back to the United States government about this, there's a problem here. This thing is really serious. And they're like, they don't believe him. They think he's being hysterical. They think he's going over the top. And, 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 they, and they basically are trusting in what Hitler and all of his government saying about, oh, that was a mistake. That's not really true. We're just overreacting to win the election over here. We're going to pull it back over there. You know, all this stuff. And so after about two, three years, he gets basically dismissed. <clears throat> and they, they humiliated. And they get rid of him. fire him. They don't believe him. And what's so interesting is he saw the gravity of what was going on. This is 1933. The war broke out in 1941, for us anyway. And he was one of the few voices speaking out. But they trusted the wrong people. And who would have ever imagined that eight years later, World War II would break out, 50 million people would die. I mean, could, I mean it's just so staggering that out of this guy, Hitler, you know, and craziness of him, that would happen, and this guy saw it, but they didn't trust him. Now, I say this as an introduction because when we trust the wrong people, 
the implications are vast. And the consequences are great. And so the great challenge is, who do I trust in life and who do I not trust, right? So, you know, so for example, uh, you know, I get on an airplane, or you get on an airplane, you know, you're just hoping everything's all right. It's a pretty big piece of machinery, you know, 10,000 feet up. When you, you know, I, I get nervous often in driving in like rural Pennsylvania with like single lane highways and people are going like 50 miles an hour because, you know, we're, I'm going this way and they're coming this way. And I'm always a little nervous, like, I hope everything's okay over there, that they're going to stay in their lane because we're going very fast past each other. But I'm trusting. You know, I once, had, I once got my car fixed, uh, brakes done here in Queens, and I was on 87 going about 50, 60 miles an hour, and I could feel one of the wheels wobbling. I'm like, oh, you know. So I, I slow down, and at about 20, 30 miles an hour, a wheel goes flying out. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I, I trusted that the guy put the wheel back on right. You know, he put the lug nuts on right. And I, I could have gotten killed. Of course, I went back, and he denied everything. Oh, I don't know. You know, I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I'm like, what does that mean? I almost got killed, all right? Ah, we'll fix your wheel for you. We'll take care of it, you know. But I trusted, right, that they put the wheels on right. You know, when you, uh, when you go on a date, if you're single here, you know, and I, often people will come to me and they, oh, I'm madly in love, Pastor Pete. Really? Yeah, yeah. I met him. I met her. I'm, ah, how long have you known him? I've known him, you know, three days. Okay, all right. You know. <laughs> but, you know, we teach a course at New Life, you know, how not to marry a jerk or jerkette. <laughs> because our point is do not trust them. You know, right? This is it's three days. Let's give, it, give it a few seasons, you know. Or if you're hiring people, if you've been involved in hiring people, you know you're in an interview and they give you a resume. That looks like they could be in the White House, you know, and you're like, and they're telling you what they can do. And you're sitting there saying, do I believe this? But you have to make a decision. And the same thing when you take a job with a company uh, or an employer, you're trusting the fact that this place is going to be around. The person's somewhat ethical. They're going to treat you with a certain amount of respect. But it's all trust that it's going to work out. I mean, do you, have you ever thought about, like, if you have a retirement fund, you know, and hopefully many of you do. Like you put a little bit of money aside for the long term in the future, and you put it in some retirement fund, you, you know, Fidelity or whoever, Vanguard, and you, you realize you have no idea what's going on. You realize that. I mean, I, you're trusting that in 20, 30, 40, 50 years that it wasn't mad off with your money, okay, that that thing got invested properly and everything's going to be okay. But it's really a trust, you know, factor. Same thing if you've been arrested, you know, justice system, you know, and you're trusting this thing is fair and your life's in their hands. I've only had a couple of small operations in my lifetime. I mean, very small. But I remember, I mean, every time I, it's only been twice, I guess, I was on anesthesia. And, like, I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, like I'm going to be out. And these people who I don't even know are going to open up my body. And I'm thinking to myself, I hope they didn't have a bad night. I hope, like, they didn't have a fight with their spouse or were drinking last night till 4 in the morning because that's my body lying there that they're going to be opening up. But it's really trust, isn't it? I mean, do you realize we're trusting all the time and have to to survive in the world. But knowing who to trust is very difficult, very challenging. And so today's message is called trusting, uh, tr- trusting in the wonder of the resurrection. In other words, that it's a, it's, a, it's a trust, it's a decision to trust Jesus. It really, we're touching the core. Today's message is very simple, but it's actually the core of what it means to follow Jesus. It's the core of the whole Christian life. 
trusting Jesus. And it's trusting in the wonder that the fact that resurrection is true and that, that this wonder will come. But it's a trust factor. Now, there's a verse, which I can't put up on the board here. It's in verse 40, if you have your Bibles open or on your phone or iPad. And, it's, and I, before I read the passage, I, just, I want you to repeat with me this verse. It's when Jesus says to Martha, it's after she's not believing, she's not trusting, and Jesus basically saying, I need you to trust. And he says to her, did I not tell you that if you trust, you will see the glory of God? And the word believe in the, in the New Testament, whenever you see the word believe, it's the same word for trust. And he says to Mary, he says, Mary, did I not tell you that if you trust, trust me, if you trust, I promise you will see the glory of God. And that's the point of today's message, that if you'll trust, and it's a, it's a daily decision, if you'll do this, you will see the glory of God. If you do not, you won't see anything. So I want you to repeat it with me, okay, together, okay, in phrases. Did I not tell you that if you trust, you will see the glory of God? One more time. Did I not tell you that if you trust, you will see the glory of God? Okay. That's our theme today. Jesus is saying, you trust me, and you will see the wonder of the resurrection in your daily life. You'll see it in amazing ways. So, again, I want to unpack this today. So, I have been in the Gospel of John in my own time with God for the last, I don't know, three, four, five months, and just digging it verse by verse. And what's so amazing is that the whole theme of not just Luke, uh, John chapter 11, which we're going to read today, but the whole book, the goal of the book is to get us to trust Jesus. As a lifestyle, we're we're trusting him each day as all of life comes at us. In fact, he says at the end of the Gospel of John, I, I've written these things. In fact, there's many other signs that I had not written about, but these are written that you may trust that Jesus is the Christ and may have life in his name. And every sign, every wonder is meant to help us to trust in the person of Jesus and not to grab life in our own hands. So I'm going to read, I'm going to start. Before I read the passage, let me give you a context. We're in John 11, and I'll begin at verse uh, 38. But here's what's happened. Jesus is close uh, he has these three folks he's very close to, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. Uh, Mary and Martha appear to be single, uh, and Jesus would often be with them and go to their home, rest. Uh, they live in a place called Bethany. And so they're like tight with Jesus. And so Lazarus, Jesus is, is about 20 miles away, and they send a message to Jesus that Lazarus is really sick. And basically... Come, you'll be healing everybody else. Like, heal your friend here. We need you to do this. But Jesus doesn't come initially. He delays and he waits. He stays where he is. And the passage makes it very clear. He doesn't go. He stays. And one, while he waits and delays, Lazarus dies. And not only is he die, dead, but he's in a tomb now for four days. Then Jesus shows up. So, uh, Let's begin. I'm going to begin reading verse 38. Here's what happens when we get there um, in John 11, 38. Again, just let me just listen. Try to imagine the passage. Have you ever been to, ever been to a Jewish uh, funeral? They, you know, they do Shiva, you know, seven days of mourning at a wake. That's what's going on here. So there's like, a, there's a lot of people here, a lot of wailing and grieving about the death of Lazarus going on. Jesus now shows up, walks on the scene, and here's what happens. Jesus, once more deeply moved, verse 38, 
came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe or if you trust, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may trust that you sent me. So uh, when, he, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Actually, it says in the original, Jesus roared, Lazarus, come out. Three words. Then it says, the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. There's actually seven major miracles in the Gospel of John. Each one is called a sign and a wonder that reveals something, that deep, profound things about Jesus. This is the greatest miracle, actually, in the New Testament, except for the cross and resurrection of Jesus. So this, this is a sign and wonder that's so big. There's so much in it for us to really absorb today. But I want to focus on just one simple core message, and that's about the whole issue of trusting Jesus and the wonder of the resurrection. So, so let me start with a question I want to ask you. In this season of your life, what's the greatest obstacle that you face? What, what are you trusting God for? Like, what's happening in your life? What, what are, what's the greatest obstacle you've got in front of you right now? That you say, I need to trust God for this one. Now, it could be anything from, you know, your, your job being stuck uh, or some breakthrough needed. Maybe you don't even have a job. It may be out of something, you know, some addiction you're trapped in or a weakness or a vulnerability that you're carrying. That, oh, God, I, I want to be free from this thing. I need you to do something in me. It may be bitterness uh, or, or rage inside of you. You just can't get rid of it. Like, I need you to do something with me. Help me release this. Uh, it may be a child that keeps you up all night. It may be, a, you know, a divorce that you've just walked through and you're trying to rebuild your life or, you know, a cancer diagnosis or a betrayal at work or church or your family or a dream that got shattered or an inability to get pregnant. It may be a, a desire to get married. You're just not fulfilled. It may be a, a dryness just in your whole relationship with God. Is your feelings are nothing, you're not, nothing's feeling good. I, I asked a, a, a young 19-year-old yesterday, I said, what's... What's your biggest obstacle? And he said very simply, goes, I'm not content. I thought it was a really interesting answer. You know, just, I'm, just, I'm just discontent. I can't even tell you why. My whole life, I just feel discontent. But that's my biggest, I'm trusting God. I'd love to be content. I, don't even know, I have no idea even how to get there. So, so I need you to just pick one, just one or two obstacles that you're carrying. And... Uh, to have that in front of you, the whole, the whole rest of this message that you're trusting God for, or, or at least you need to trust God for. So, so here's what happens. In, in verse, 38, verse 33 to 35, Jesus shows up. And it's this incredible verse, because Jesus shows up and says, Jesus sees Mary and, and Martha and all these other people weeping. They're all weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, because he's dead. 
And it says, Jesus began to weep. Jesus begins to weep. Now, I just want you to stop for a minute. I don't know if any of you were like anthropology majors or religious studies majors, but never in the history of the world has any god ever wept. In fact, even in mythology, no one even dreamed of God weeping. It's so far out there, a God who weeps. But Jesus shows up in this scene of death, and he sees the anguish, and and he sees the agony of, of all the consequences of death on people's lives, and his heart is moved. Uh, he, he grieves. He, with you, he grieves with us, with humanity. In other words, do you understand? You're, it's so incredible because you're in pain uh, when you're hurt. Do you understand? His heart is moved for you. He, he feels it. I mean, our God weeps. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it so encourages me. When I, 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 when I read the newspapers, and I'm around a lot of pain, I'm tempted like many of you. I don't want to hear it. Right? You say, I don't, I don't want to hear it. You know, so I'm like, I, I, I don't, I'm going to cut myself. I'm gonna, some, some people medicate themselves. Whatever, I'm going to isolate myself. But we, we don't get it. You see, our God's a God of resurrection, but he's also a God who, who weeps. And, and so, you, you know, I read about ISIS and, you know, what's going on in Syria and Iraq, beheadings, crucifixions, Kenya, killing people indiscriminately for being Christians. I mean, you know, Walter Scott, what happened, you know, last Saturday, Guy getting shot. I mean, it was just horrific. I mean, just unimaginable. Life taken. And, uh, you know, you read these things. I think of people's lives. When you ask people how they are and you really listen, you find out tremendous pain in people's lives. I mean, shattered, right? Lonely. I mean, place as big as New York. I mean, it's just wow. But Jesus walks into pain and, and agony and death and actually feels. Our God feels and he, and, and he weeps. And so... What's, what's challenging about this, so you got to hold that on one end, all right? Because it's true. On the other hand, why don't you do something? Like, you understand, Jesus shows up and he weeps. I want to say, stop weeping and fix it. You're God, right? Just fix it right now and we'll be done with it. And, and that's the great challenge. And in fact, it says in verse 5 um, that Although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed there two more days. And, and the author makes it very clear, even though he loved them, he was close to them, he didn't go. He let it happen. That's the killer. He delays. And you got this weeping going on. And he actually weeps with them. That's why this text is so important. Now, ancient rabbis taught this, that the first three days when a person died, the soul was still lingering in the body. But the fourth day, the soul left permanently, and the person was dead, dead. Permanently dead. It's too late, okay? Jesus shows up on day four. It's over. The guy is double dead, all right? It's too late. Have you ever thought this or said this to yourself? It's too late for anything good to come out of this. Just too late. The glass got broken and it ain't getting put back together. Shattered. Hear that all the time. So, but Jesus has this, in verse 15, if you have a Bible, underline this verse, or just write it down and look it up later. Jesus says this, in the middle of all this chaos, he says, he says, for your, Lazarus is dead, he says. 
And he goes, but for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may trust me. Again, Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And I was glad I was not there. Or I am glad I was not there for your sake that you may trust. Wow. Because, you see, see, it gives, first of all, it makes Jesus glad when we trust. It's incredible, isn't it? In other words, it, it's one of the most basic ways that we give pleasure to Jesus is trusting him. Versus taking things in our own hands. Jesus wants almost more than anything that we trust him when things are out of control and full of death. Now, you know, as a, to think of your, if you're a parent here or if you were a child at one point with your parents, it's a wonderful thing when your kids trust you. And it's very painful when they don't. So I remember, for example, when my, I had four daughters and two of them were, were, they were early teenagers and we, and we moved from one part of Queens to another, all right? I mean, I mean, the two teenage girls were hysterical, okay? Like this was, oh, dad, you know, life is over, terrible father, hate you, losing my friends. You, know, you would think we were moving to Idaho or Wyoming, I don't know. We're going 20 minutes away over here. I mean, we have buses in Queens, you know, but there was no trust, you know? And then another one of my daughters was going to the prom. And all the friends were going for the whole weekend with their dates. I said, you're not going away for the weekend. It ain't happened. So you're, you're coming home. Whoa, my friends already think I'm Amish. <laughs> I love you. See you later. You come home at 3 in the morning if you like. But you know what, honey? You're coming home, all right? And you can meet them up Saturday night wherever you want. I said, but it ain't happening. But, uh, you know, so, but it's, it's, it's one thing to do that. But it's a wonderful thing when you can say, I trust you, Dad, you know? I don't like it. I don't understand it. It seems stupid to me, but, you know, I'm okay. I trust you with this. I mean, it's, and what Jesus is saying is it gives me tremendous joy. I am glad, he said, I wasn't there, that you might trust me. I mean, so in other words, he, 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 I think it's such a profound point that it gives him joy when we trust him. And so when he goes, when he goes to Mary, he says, in, in verse 39, he says, okay, he comes, Jesus says to, says to Martha, take away the stone. Take away the stone, Martha. And Martha says, Jesus, it stinks in there. Been four days. And she doesn't do it. She ain't moving the stone. Stinks in there. And, uh, you know, it's a hot climate. Now, what's interesting is Martha's a, a, a disciple. Martha's a follower of Jesus. I mean, she's like us. Most of us in this room, I and mean, she's a Christian. But, and, she, and earlier, she believed. I mean, she, you, you read the story of her life. Other times, she's trusting, and, but now she loses it, like us. We believe, and then we don't believe. We believe at 9, by 9.05, we don't, you know? It depends on what's going on. The weather's bad, the traffic hits, and it could be anything. But, you know, we just say, no, it's too late. It's, it's, it's four days. It's too late. You know, we're not doing it. And so we are all like, just say, Martha and Mary, we're all like them. We're a mix of believing and not believing. We're a mix of trusting and not trusting. And, uh, and so then Jesus says to her that, that great line. He goes, now he says, to her, she says, I'm not doing it. And he says, did I not tell you that if you trust, you will see the glory of God? And then he says this great verse. He says, then, then, he, then he prays. Essentially, she, then she removes the stone. He encourages her. And then he delays a little bit more. 
And then he prays, you know, Father, I pray that, and I'm praying, he goes, Father, I'm praying, Lord, not for, obviously, Lord, we talk all the time. I'm doing this for everybody around me so they can hear me and they may trust that you sent me. He's so trying to get them, the, the people and Martha and Mary, to trust him. Because he knows how deep this lack of trust is. Now, you see, trust is, this whole issue of trust in Jesus is, is like, yours. We're, we're like at the core of what it means to follow Jesus. So much is at stake, because there's an, if, if, how else can you forgive someone and let it go? You got to trust God's got it. I mean, I sometimes, I'm not letting it go because I want to make sure they get punished. Sue. <laughs> Consequences. Then we let go. But to let go, I'm trusting God. You got it. You know, he says revenge is mine. You know, when we, we talk about giving money away, right? Tithing, giving money away, giving your time away, giving your energy away, free. <laughs> Better trust. God's got your back. He's going to take care of you. You're giving stuff away free. What do you think we're living in here? You know, which, you know, you're in a relationship. Maybe you're, you know you're in a relationship with someone, and it's not a good relationship. But you're so afraid of being alone, you stick with it. But you got how are you going to end it? If you know it's God's will, you got to trust the fact that He's He's got you. That's okay. It's going to be all right. You know, when, when, how do, how do you? Respond to his voice and go in a new, you know, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. Well, I can tell you this, that means he's going to lead you. You can trust, he's going to be speaking to you. He's going to guide you. Well, he's going to take you places that seem odd. Well, unless you trust, you're not going to go. You're going to say, well, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. I know, take away the stone. You know, the point is, he's going to ask you to go. But without trust, you're not going. You're going to be like most folks, which is, I'm not going until I see it's going to work. I want to see the full highway, and then I'll think about it. You know, am I, are you going to be weak and vulnerable? I was talking to someone at the service about asking forgiveness from somebody. <gasps> yes, I said, you're in the new family of Jesus now. You know, we're weak, we're vulnerable, and we're broken. We're not doing your family anymore. We're not doing your culture anymore. And you're going to trust that if you're weak and humble and ask forgiveness, you're not going to die. You're going to trust that Jesus has your back. And you can, without trust, you can't be patient. You really can't be patient to wait. You're going to strive. You're going to fight. You're going to force that door open. You'll do what you got to do. You see, the Christian life is, is a journey, right? And this guy, Walter Brueggemann, is a great scholar. And uh, he said that, and, and he's right, that the one word that happens to everybody's journey is disorientation. In other words, it, 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 don't be surprised that, you're disoriented, and you don't know what's going on. Like, you're, you're, you know, you're going along, and all of a sudden, you find, oh, my gosh, this is a mess. Like, that is the normal Christian life. Everybody has to go that way, because that's the only way you're going to learn to trust him. Do you understand? He's got to basically shake you up and get you out there where you're disoriented so you can learn to trust him. Now, you're probably saying, no, I read it in the book. I heard the sermon. No need for the pain. Right? I got it. And... The problem is that you can't learn this secondhand. You can't learn this in a book. You can't learn this in a sermon. You have to learn this in life. You have to learn this by doing it. You've got to walk through the death of a disorientation. You've got to be there with the smell and the stench when everything in you wants to quit. And you want to say, I'm done. And you're hanging by a thread and you're saying, oh, my God, and you, make it, and you trust him. He says, did I not tell you that if you trust, you will see the glory of God? Until you get to a place where you've done it enough times, you actually believe it. And even though it looks like a total death, you hang in there with Jesus. Now, if you could, I, I made this chart. 
And uh, it was a, I, I just made it up. I mean, it, it, was, it was a scale of one to 10. And it's, I called it a trust scale. So if you picture, let's say right now you're, 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 you're a one, two, three, you know, which is your, 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 your faith or your trust is shallow and it's very thin. Okay, it's very weak. Okay, and that's here. It's shallow, it's, it's, it's immature faith or trust. But he's, do you understand? He's committed to you. He, he loves you. He wants you to be fully and wholly alive, which means he's got to grow that trust in him. He knows you don't trust him, so he's got to help you. The way he's going to get you there, he's going to put you in a situation where you're disoriented because he's going to move you to four, five, six, seven. He's trying to get you to seven, eight, nine, ten, where your faith has mature, maturity to it. You're, you're, you're trusting Jesus. You're able to relax. You're able to enjoy him and life. And there's a depth to your trust. You're saying the same verse, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on your own understanding, but you actually believe it. It's actually inside of you. You actually live it. So you understand, he loves you so much. He is committed to moving you here. Now, I know you don't want to go, but he's bringing you anyway because he loves you too much to leave you over here. And, uh, and so, you know, if I, if I was Jesus and Martha had this kind of an attitude to me, I say, I say, he says, you know, Martha, take away the stone. And she says, no, it stinks in there. It's been four days. I'd say, you know, Martha, I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> Finished. Uh, you're quitting on me. I have news for you. I quit on you. <laughs> or I would have said something like this. You know, Martha, I'm sad. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm sad, Martha. I heal the lepers. I drive out the demons. I walk on water. What do you want? Your heart is hard. You know that it's as hard as a rock. You know what, Martha? I just need a break from you for a while. You think you need a break from me? I need a break from you. Or if I was Jesus, I'd say something like this. Martha, you know what? You know why this thing's a mess over here? got death everywhere and people crying. It's because of you. <laughs> you, Martha, your faith stinks. You think it stinks in the tomb? Your faith stinks. All right? If you had faith, we'd go to Elmore's Hospital, empty out the hospital. But he does. What's amazing is Jesus, you know what he says to her? I mean, he, he's so kind to her after she says no. I mean, it stinks in there. And Jesus says, Martha, again, he says, did I, not, did I not tell you that if you trusted, you would see the glory of God? Can you just hang in there? Now, what's interesting, all he's asking for is what I'm going to call it mustard seed faith. You've heard the expression? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move and it will move from here to there. Uh, I was taught all wrong. I don't know if you were taught this wrong thing. I was taught basically, if you want to see big power from God, you need big faith. Little faith, little power. Okay? And, uh, it's, you know, so it's kind of like it's all dependent on you. So if you had faith, uh, Kate had faith. If Kate had faith, we could go to Elmer's Hospital right now. We heal every person in that place. They're out walking, hiking, playing basketball. Because we have faith. But we don't. Because we don't have faith, we feel guilty. We feel shame. I stink. Oh, my God. People are dying because of me. The whole hospital is overflowing with people. It's all my fault, you know. We always feel bad about ourselves all the time. But what Jesus calls us to is what's called mustard seed faith. And what that is is it's a faith. It's really small. But it hangs in there. It's I believe. Help my unbelief. It's what Jairus said about his daughter when Jesus said he's going to go walk in. His daughter died and She's going to go raise his daughter, and, and Jesus says, oh, she's just asleep, and Jairus says, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, I'll go with you, Jesus, but, I, you know. It's like, I'm going to go forward for prayer. I barely believe anything, but I'll go. Maybe God will touch me, you know. You're here today? You came. 
Maybe your faith is so low, but your coming is mustard seed faith. And, and that is the faith that moves mountains. And all he's asking for Martha is a mustard seed. Just stick with me, Martha. Just take away the stone. I'm not asking you to lift the stone and levitate it. Just move it. But I need you just a little mustard seed from you and I'll take care of the rest. But we're so restless, most of us. We're so striving and manipulative and controlling. You know the character called Jacob in the Old Testament? And his name means grabber. And he's the father of modern Israel. We're all grabbers. You know, we're just, you know, we just, we just want to strive and control. And so, so, you know, we have kids. We're controlling our kids' lives, let alone trust, you know. And, and we're jumping into relationships. We're jumping jobs. And, you know, we're doors not opening. We rush in inappropriately because we just want to control and strive. And so, you know, we, most of us, you know, we, we, have a, we, have a, we have trust issues. We have post-traumatic trust syndrome, you know. We, we're just, we're traumatized because... You know, we, we, we're triggered when things go wrong. We just get triggered. Like, oh my gosh, chaos. And we just, all of our rational thinking goes out the window. And uh, because we, we, many of us, we, we, we come from families and we come from cultures and our country. We don't trust people. I, I was taught, weren't you taught in elementary school? Don't trust any stranger. You don't trust. You live in New York, you got triple duty. Don't trust. You know? I, I, the world's a dangerous place. And you know, every family's different. My family was, you know, we were so untrusting. I mean, forget it. I mean, you barely trusted family members. I mean, even that. I mean, you just... And so, I, I mean, even to this day, I mean, it's so in my family's DNA. And I know it's in me because I grew up in it, you know. And, and my, my uncle created this, we have an Italian pastry shop, you know. And they, they made a machine to make cannolis, a certain Italian pastry, rapidly. Not by hand, but these machines. And it took my, one of my cousins like seven years to make the machine, Great, you know, to make a lot, a lot of pastries real fast. And it's in a secret room in the bakery shop. And not anybody can go to that room, all right? I barely got in. Okay, I'm, I'm the godson. I barely got in, okay? I'm family. And I was going to take a picture. Put that camera down! <laughs> I mean, he thinks I'm going to sell it to the FBI, the CIA, China. Who knows, right? But I'm serious. Like, it's like lockdown secret. I mean, who cares, who cares about this obscure Italian pastry? It's not Facebook logarithms or, I, you know, it's not YouTube. It's, it's, a, it's a machine. It's a, but, but there's such a, a paranoia. There's such a mistrust in general about life. So, you understand, when I became a, when I, I remember hearing about Christianity when I, before I became a Christian. And, you understand, I didn't trust people, let alone people talking. You're trusting a God you can't even see. I mean, it seems so ludicrous to me, Christianity, like, what? But do you understand that when you come to Christ, you have to be formed and shaped by Jesus to learn to trust him like a child. You've got to be healed, delivered, and reshaped by him through disorienting experiences so you can actually bank on trusting him and that your life is one of I, I, I'm going to trust you in this, Lord. I'm going to stay with you even though I don't feel a thing. Even though everything in me wants to run and quit, I'm going to stay with you, Jesus. And that your faith and your, your relationship with Jesus is actually firsthand, not secondhand. Most people have a secondhand relationship with Jesus. What that means is this. Because we're so busy, we have so much going on in our lives, we don't have time. So we have, to live through, we have to live off other people's trust and spirit. And that's not a bad thing. The problem is I can't live off it. 
I was talking to a friend from Germany this past week, and he said the number one issue in Germany is the secondhand spirituality. People are, just, people are just living off other people's spirituality. They go to church, but they don't, they don't have time to cultivate their own relationship with Jesus. Because you understand, this is, we're talking about how do I grow in this trust, or how do I get there, you know? Well, it's very slow. It's very incremental. Uh, and so the, this mustard seed, how do I stay in that place? Well, it requires like a lifestyle total shift. Now, do you understand, if, you, if we want to follow Jesus and learn to trust that means we're going to be followers of Jesus. And just like an artist, a musician, an athlete, to be an artist, musician, athlete, you, can, you don't just get out there and start, you know, I'm not, Helen's son, I'm not going to go out there and start playing piano in her band. i got to learn piano. i got to take lessons and learn some scales and notes, you know. If I want to be an artist, I don't just go up there and let me in, you know, the Met and start painting. i got to learn how to draw a line. You know, i got a little bit of learning here, you know. Athletics. I'm not going to go out there and try to run the New York Marathon or try to out for the Olympics. I can barely walk a lap, okay? I mean, I've got, to, I've got to structure my life around growing into this kind of a person. Well, in the same way, to be a Christian, especially in the 21st century, you can't live off someone else's athleticism. You can't live off someone else's relationship with God. You've got to be, restructure your life around some core rhythms and practices that you live your life by. I'm talking about your whole life day. So you can learn to trust him like a child with ease. See, when, you're, when you've got it, you're just like, okay, I, I can trust him with this. Yeah, yeah, there's no money in the bank account. Okay, you know, I'm all right. You know, I'm, all right. I'm not freaking out. You know, things aren't going well. Okay, Lord, I come to you with this. So that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, if you remember, I, I asked you for seven days to be still before the Lord, to be silent, practice silence, and, and to actually breathe, remember your breath. And that ancient spiritual practice comes out of Christianity. It's used by Buddhists. It's used by in hospitals, therapists, in all kinds of educational seminars and places like MBA programs because they know that it changes people's lives to practice, you know, silence. And I ask you, you know, take five minutes each day and just, you know, be still before the Lord, you know, as one of your practices. Because, again, the goal, everybody, is we realize we've got to help you and everyone in our church develop a first-hand relationship with Jesus. So stillness, silence, solitude. You've got time in scripture, because script, time to be able to let the scriptures feed you. Time to be like in, with some other Christians to encourage you to trust. That's why you're here today. You're here. I don't know how you felt about coming today, but you didn't come hopefully just based on your feelings, but you came because, I, you know, I want to trust in Jesus. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. I want to learn to trust in Jesus. I'm going to go for prayer. I want to learn to trust. You know, your, your life is one I want to grow in deepening and maturing this core thing of trusting in Jesus, but it's my life. It's not simply I, I, something I dabble in, I check in once or twice. So I, just turn around. So I like this, I, I like this uh, picture here. You see that picture? That's a, that's a, it's not a mustard scene, but it's the best I could do. It's corn, all right? So that's a bunch of corn seeds. But imagine it's a mustard seed, a super small mustard seed. So as we keep bringing this to God, did I not tell you that if you see, if you, if you trust, you will see the glory of God? This is what a mustard seed becomes. It starts out this, but you will see the glory of God. Now, what do you mean? What does that look like? I don't know. But I can promise you this, that if you stay with Jesus for your life, you persevere, you don't quit, you, you, you cultivate those kind of practices, not just following when it feels right, that if you'll trust him, you will, I promise you this, you will see the glory of God. 
You will see the wonder of the resurrection. You will know the resurrection is true. So you can talk about ISIS and the Middle East and all the horrors going on. You can say, you know what? I don't know what's going on there, but I do know this. It's the cradle of Christianity, and Jesus is alive. And I'm going to pray that God will bring a resurrection out of the place, and you will die talking about it. Same thing with racism in America. You name the issue of anybody's life you can walk into, and you can weep with that person on one hand, and you can hold on the other. You know what? You may not have any trust, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, with you or for you right now, I'm going to pray for you. I tell you, if prayer is nothing else, every time you're praying, just you say, I don't know, you're trusting. Lord, I'm coming to you. It's a, it's, a, it's a declaration of here I am with my mustard seed. Not having great words. It's not saying you got it all together. You're just coming. That's it. It's so powerful. That's why when we don't pray, we don't have spiritual practices, we just don't do anything, that too is a declaration. I'm not opening the stuff. I'm not doing it. Nothing, Lord. You show up first. You know, what, what have I learned I, you know, in this whole process? I want you to hear this. It's just not true when someone says, it's too late for anything good to come out of this. I don't care if the person's dead. It's too late for anything ever to come good out of this. It's a lie. It's not true. And it is true. The ways of God cannot be explained. The, what does that wonder of resurrection look like? It's so different than we ever imagined. I look back. Listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I ran most of my Christian life as I basically... I told God what he should be doing, all right? I had my plans. I had my goals. I laugh. I laugh. I, I pulled out recently some of the old papers of my goals for a new life and all that stuff, and it was almost laughable. They were so crazy, okay? And I realized I didn't know what I was doing, but I'm, I'm just praying these prayers and wanting these things from God, and, and thank God he said no. I mean, I'm just like, I mean, what a mess it would have been. But I realized I, I have stayed with him. But the wonders that he did, I could never have imagined that he would have done what he did. I used to wonder, God, why don't you fix this relationship, you know, or this hurt or this wound that I, I absorbed? Like, just heal it. Let's go on back to resurrection joy, you know. Let's move on, you know. And then, like, it wouldn't get resolved. And it would be incredibly painful. And it's just like, why am I bleeding? What was this all about? But now over the years, I look back and, oh, my God, like, like, you, you, you did things in me that have, you know, broke me and taught me some things of, of waiting that I could never have learned any other way. But do you understand? Like you, 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 you brought me in that stink, and you didn't let me get out for such a long time. I couldn't understand, what, what are you doing? And, I, you know, did I tell you that if you trust, you'll see the glory of God? But I didn't know it was going to take 10, 15 years. I had no idea. I could, never, I could never, ever, ever. And I realize now, I have no idea what he's doing. In fact, my timetable and your timetable is so off, just forget the word timetable. <laughs> forget it. It's just, it's just way out there. We think, Lord, you got six months. Really? I mean, you got a year. Okay, Lord, I'm writing down in my journal. Within three years, you better do this, you know. And I'm writing it down in case you forget, in case I forget. Because if it doesn't happen, I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with the whole thing. You know, and we live like that. You understand? That's not trusting. And so, so I, what, I, when I, what I thought often was an ending, a horrible ending, I realized all God saw it was, Pete, this is completed. It's completion. Now it's time for the next phase. But God forbid, I hate change. I didn't see it as a completion. I saw it as a hell. I want to hang on till death. But no, it's like just, just it's completion, people. But, but I tell you, you, things look so different over time when you let it go. So let me... What appears, here's what I learned, what appears to be a catastrophe 
actually becomes the foundation of a great life. That when you trust and you stay with Jesus, this appears to be so bad, this is a catastrophe, ends up becoming a seed or seeds of something so wonderful that you could never have dreamed of in your life. But it's the foundation, that catastrophe. So I want to invite you, as we close here, to, to trust in the wonder of the resurrection. So uh, because his invitation is to trust you right where you are. And there's a great verse here. I want us to do it. Mary, one of the two sisters, is so discouraged, she doesn't even come out when Jesus shows up. She just stays home. And in verse, verse 28, uh, Jesus sends Martha, the sister, to Mary and says, Jesus is here, Mary, and he's looking for you. It's a beautiful passage of grace. Because you see, Jesus is here and he knows maybe your faith is hanging by a thread. Or he knows that you quit and you're not coming out. And you're sitting there and he comes and says to you, I'm here and I'm looking for you. Pure grace. And that's why you're here today. Because he sees you and he's looking for you and he says, I'm, I want you back on this journey. I want to teach you how to trust me. And what's happened to you was never a surprise. This is the way to learn. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if you remember, we took a, a couple of minutes. I'm gonna, we're going to take a minute together. Whatever, what is your obstacle that you're carrying right now? What's your big obstacle? What are you trusting God for? Do you have your thing in your mind? I'm going to ask, because for me, again, I do 20 minutes every morning. Silence before God every day, along with scripture and other things, are, is so foundational for me to let go. I'm a control freak. Guys, I'm letting you know, I... It wasn't until the contemplative slowing down that which scripture really helped me to finally break something of controlling. To say, okay, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm okay. You're, you're, you're good and your love endures forever. But it's taken, part of this has been the silence thing for me. So again, I've been, I want to encourage you again, take five minutes a day, try it. Just try it. You'll watch the muscles will grow. But I want you to take a minute right now before God. I'm going to ask you to take a minute. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And uh, I'll be the timekeeper. And I'm going to ask you just, we're going to be still before the Lord. And all I'm going to ask you to do is put this, put your obstacle or whatever it is that you're trusting the Lord for, you know, your hands, palms open towards heaven. Just let, that, let it sit on your palm and offer it to, to God. Don't, you know, you can say whatever you want. But just be, take some deep breaths. And let's take a minute and be still before the Lord. And we're going to wait patiently for him with our obstacles. And so, Lord, soften our hearts and grant us the courage and the grace to stay with you with our little mustard seed, even when everything in us wants to run.
Deepen us, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right, with that worship team, come on forward. And we're going to do a second spiritual practice, okay? We don't have to be afraid uh, as we come to him. So we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And this is another way that we cultivate trusting in Jesus. So uh, you'll see there's tables up there and, and down here. And uh, what we're going to do is, is uh, you're going to come forward, you're going to take the bread and the cup, and uh, you'll dip the bread in the cup, and you'll bring it back to your seat, and you'll hold on to it. Now, this, uh, what's called a Lord's table is, is what's a sacrament, which means to, it's a way that God releases into your life power and grace. And it's a table that's a free gift. It's a, it's a table of grace. You and I don't have a right to come to this table based on our performance, based on how good we were, how good a Christian you are. We come to this table in the name of Jesus alone. We come through the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us. Friends, perhaps the greatest miracle, even greater than Lazarus, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That our sins be taken away by the blood of Christ. And we stand here, we can come to a table. It's the table of Jesus. And we eat and we, we take him in and Offer him our lives. But that's what I'm going to invite you to do. Let's all stand together. I want to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to form some lines and come up and take it. We'll worship and come back to your seat, and then we'll partake together of the Lord's table. So, Lord, thank you for these elements. Bless them, I pray. Uh, Bless them with power as we receive them in our own hearts as we worship you. So we offer you this time around your table in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's begin. And one, another great uniqueness of, of Christianity is that our God not just weeps for us, but he actually wants to live inside of us. And that's why the Lord's Supper is so significant. You know, he says, take this body, eat. You know, take this cup and drink. He, and it's, he wants to be in us. He wants to, to live inside of us. And we, he's our eat and drink. He, he's our food. That without him, we'll die. That, that's, that's, he's a part of us. That's why eating and drinking of Christ, they were called cannibals. Oh my gosh, it was that intensely close of union and oneness. And uh, so, in a sense, every time we do this, we're, 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 the Lord's Supper, you're, you're making a statement, I can't live without you. you know, I'm trusting you, Lord. I, I need you for life. I, it's like I need physical food. I, I can't survive without you. I, I need you. I depend on you that much. So we're gonna take, just take a, about a minute right now, just, or not a minute, take a couple seconds. Let's be still and silent. And confess any mistrust or sins that you're carrying. Now, all sin is a result of mistrust, right? They're not trusting him. And just ask the Lord forgiveness, whatever comes to your mind right now. So cleanse us, Lord, I pray, all of us. We ask your forgiveness of our sins by the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> and we receive your cleansing now the privilege of coming to this table, Lord. It's incredible by the name of Jesus. So Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, take and eat, this is my body. Took the cup, gave thanks, offered it saying, drink from it all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take now, right now, take and eat and drink of Jesus together. Amen. I want to invite the prayer teams to come on forward here. And as we close, you know, the, the, the story of Lazarus is, is a picture of the story of us all. And uh, 
you know, he, he, Lazarus is dead, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. He roars. Do you realize the, the, the only way that you could be in this room and, like, if you're a Christian today, it's a miracle that you're a Christian, you know? I mean, it's a miracle. How the heck did you end up here? I mean, he somehow called your name. Joe, Susan, come forth. And you came to, and here you are, you're alive. Something's alive in you that was dead before. Now, you may be here today, and you're dead. And you say, I I don't think I'm even a Christian. But you hear him. You're dead. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. He says, Joe, Russell, Jane, come forth. And you know what? You have a choice. And you hear it today inside of you. You hear his voice. I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. Come forward for our resurrection. It's a great picture. Come up from that grave and come alive to Jesus. It's called being born anew. That's one group I want to call forward. The second is, some of you, you, you are resurrected, but you're still walking around like a mummy in unbelief and distrust. He came out, you know. He wasn't free, but he was resurrected. He was all tied up and shackled. And you see, freedom is, I trust you, Lord. We're talking about today, just trusting, you know. But, but I want, if you're there, I, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer as well. Say, Lord, I don't know, I believe, I help my unbelief. But you're coming forward. Because what the church is about, we're supposed to be helping people untie the bandages. That's easy. Getting resurrected, only God can resurrect you. But we help each other and pray for each other. Take off that bandage. Hey, William, get that thing off your head. Get free. And that's what prayer is all about. We pray for each other. I want to invite you to come forward, okay? So open your hands up towards heaven. Receive a blessing. We're going to close here right now. And the prayer teams will be open here. So may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you, making his face shine on you. And may the Lord take your heart, which may go its own way and become hard, and may he make it soft. May the Lord grant you grace to get up and move towards him and to melt your fears that he'll ruin your life. And may he give you a revelation that if you will trust, you will see the glory of God. You will see the wonder of resurrection. You'll see things you've never dreamed of. May God give you the grace and the power to stay with him now, regardless of what your situation might be. And may you see things and experience things in life that you've never dreamed, I pray. Blessing on you as you leave this place. And may everyone you touch be blessed as a result. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, everybody. God bless you.